exciting for me to actually prepare new words and fresh words and to, to preach them and then to repeat things. But there's one sermon I've repeated several times over the history of our church, and I felt it was appropriate this morning uh, for us to, to talk about uh, waking up. I didn't do that, I don't think. Uh, did I? About waking up. Anyway, last night um, I had dinner with Brian and Brenda and uh, Shoop and Chris and Wendy. We got together and I, I left early. I usually try to get home 9 on Saturday night, go to bed by 10 because I'm old. And I know I'm working on Sunday morning, so to speak. But I, I could not go to sleep last night. I mean, I just was awake. My mind was working from conversations we had had together and I was praying and so this morning when the alarm went off, I don't know when I got to sleep, maybe 12.30 or so. So this morning when the alarm went off early, man, I hated it. You know, and so I hit the snooze button like four times. That sloth button on, the, on, on your thing. It is so hard at times to wake up, to get ourselves stirred uh, physically, much less spiritually. R.T. Kendall uh, talks about three characteristics of sleep. One is you don't know that you're asleep until you wake up. Uh, really, I mean, you know, you're asleep. You don't know you're asleep until you wake up and you realize you were, you were asleep. You dream about doing things that you wouldn't do if you were awake. Um, and I, I'm not going to get into dreams. Uh, we hate the sound of the alarm, like I did this morning, hitting that sloth button three, four times. We don't even know we're asleep. We don't know that we're not alert. We don't know that we're not paying attention. So what I've done is I put together a short video on um, to see how alert you are this morning. So I want you to watch this video, and really, to do it well, you have to, ver- you have to pay attention. Okay, so put on your attention glasses and...
Did you catch him? Uh, this is actually called the invisible gorilla test. Uh, over 50% of the people who watched that first video never will swear there was not a gorilla in that scene. Did you see the gorilla? <laughs> Did y'all see the gorilla in the first one? Do I need to show it again? Yes. <laughs> exactly. What happens is your mind focuses on one area and misses another. And even by the third test, you know you're supposed to be looking for something, and then you still have problems catching it. Listen, it's that way spiritually. We are so focused on our lives and the things going on around us that if we're not careful, if we're not awake, if we're not alert, we're going to miss the things God has in store for us. We're going to miss obvious things if we don't in some way refocus our attention. Romans 13, 11 says this, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. It's time to wake up. It's time to get alert. It's time to be focused on the things that God has for us. And so from the Proverbs, I'm going to look at three things that we need to wake up to. Uh, from various passages in Proverbs. The first one is this. We need to wake up to the call for diligence. Wake up to the call for diligence, and I'm going to read a proverb with each of these points to illustrate them this morning. So first one is, as we become diligent, Proverbs 26.14 says, As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. The author of Proverbs is speaking of one who has ceased to be diligent, the one who is asleep and has just become lazy, the one who is apathetic or lethargic. It puts us in a position where we're no, in, in danger of no longer being diligent. Listen, as I've gotten older and more experienced in life, you would think the experience would lead to increased diligence. But what happens is, over a long period of time, if you're not careful, you just get worn down to the point where you're lethargic, you're apathetic, you're, you, you lack diligence. The author of Hebrews encourages his readers to stay diligent. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. If we want to inherit the promises of God, I understand the grace of God, but there, I believe there are promises of God even now that he wants us to have in our lives. And for that to occur, to inherit those even in the days ahead, we need to stay diligent and not become lazy. How many times have we prayed and not seen the results of our prayer immediately and given up praying because we didn't see it right away? There's an aspect of diligence in prayer, and I don't understand all the spiritual dynamics around why God wants us to stay diligent, but I think it has to do with the change that happens in us when we stay diligent. It, it, we become more, uh, there's stuff that gets burned out of us when we stay diligent, when we persevere, when we don't give up. Even in Jesus' own life, he, he 
the night before he's going to be, uh, the night he's arrested, and then the day before he's crucified, he hauls his disciples up on a mountain, and he's going to pray, and he says, hey, would you pray with me for an hour? Stay with me for an hour. This is like the, the, the critical time of the life of Christ, and it's been a long day. I mean, let's face it, it's been, it's been hard, and it's the middle of the night, and he's up there praying, and he's sweating drops of blood, and his disciples, he comes out to them, and they're asleep. I mean, these are the guys that are going to take the message to the world. Jesus asked for them for one hour, hang in there, and they can't do it. He, said, he returns to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could, not, could you not keep watch for one hour? Now, I, I don't want to beat them up too much because, really, it, I, I would have, listen, I've been to 6.30 a.m. prayer meetings where I called for people to come pray, and I found myself asleep before 7.30. So I, I don't want to, because lack of sleep leads to problems and leads to lack of diligence. There's this balance in our lives. Kathy and I just listened. We were on the way traveling this past week, and I, I listened to this podcast called This American Life. It's on NPR, and um, I know it's geeky, but you don't have to listen to it. I'm not recommending it. Personally, I love it, but anyway, they, they were, one of the programs they were talking about was, um, if you don't know, this past year, the U.S. Navy has had some terrible accidents uh, in the South Pacific. Two of our destroyers ran into cargo ships. And you're like, how, how does this happen? How does, with all the technology, aren't bells going off? Aren't whistles going off? Don't they have radar and all that kind of stuff? How can you, how can you run into a massive cargo ship? 17 sailors died in those two accidents. And, and they're, they've done an extensive study since these two things happened. And uh, both of the ha accidents happened in the middle of the night, and both of them were attributed to lack of sleep. People falling asleep. See, what happens is that the U.S. Navy, whether you know it or not, is actually 20% understaffed. 20%, which means they, they need, I can't remember, like 60,000 more sailors in the Navy to get, just get to a standard of operational readiness. So what that means is they say to their sailors, one of the sayings that goes around is, hey, you can sleep when you're dead. Well, the problem is these guys are going like two, three days with no sleep. And as a result, they're actually on post with their eyes open but asleep. They just, and, and they, they become delirious. They're doing all these studies, sleep studies on people who are deprived of sleep. Both accidents are attributed to lack of diligence because they didn't have the proper rest. Now they're asleep at their post and they're not paying, they can't pay attention. It's impossible. Listen, people, we, we need these regular routines. And if we're going to stay diligent, you need, you need rest, alertness. From a spiritual standpoint, you need worship, you need prayer, you need reading God's word, you need to be engaged with people. There are things of health in God's word that he's given us that we need to do. They're not legalistic. They're for our good. 
And if we're going to stay diligent, we need to stay engaged in those things. Because I promise you this, if you get disengaged at some point, you will cease to be diligent because you're missing something that God has given you for your life that is really important. It doesn't take long for any of us to become disengaged. Christmas this past week, how long did it take? for your children to become disinterested in the greatest gift they could ever get in their life, the thing they begged for, the thing they wanted. I mean, we've we've been parents. We've seen this occur. You know, pretty soon they're just bored to want to do something. Well, we're like that spiritually. We get to the place where we think we should be, and then we quit paying attention. Great example, of course, is David. David spends years battling to become king, Man after God's own heart becomes king. In the year, in the time, the kings go out to war. Ah, I've done it. Stayed back. Entered into sin. Lost diligence. Lost his guard. Lost a lot. As a result of ceasing to be diligent. We need to wake up to the call of diligence. Second, we need to wake up to the command for action. Wake up to the command for action. The author of Proverbs, he talks about the sluggards turning on his bed. I don't really care anymore. He also gives a very graphic picture of a lack of action when he says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. I mean, it's a graphic picture. Boom. Food. Uh, It's a lot of trouble to get up here to bring it to my mouth. It's a call for action. What God has given us is right in front of us. What he calls us to is right in front of us. Now, again, I'm not, I don't want to get legalistic. I want to stay in the grace. The grace is God has given it to us. It's there. The food is there, but we get engaged by doing something to do our part so that it explodes in our lives. Great example is in the book of Jonah. And Jonah, you know, Jonah's told Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah is called. Jonah is a prophet. Jonah is a preacher. His job description is to tell people about God's impending judgment and hope they'll repent. Jonah's problem is he doesn't want them to repent. He just wants to preach the judgment part. God's going to get you. But not the, hey, come back to God part. And he knows, but Jonah's problem is he knows God. I know. I'm going to go preach to them. I'm going to preach the judgment of God. And and they might repent. I hate them so much, I'd rather not preach to them. I'd rather God just burn them. I mean, Jonah's got a problem. Really, I mean, Jonah's got a heart problem. Uh, When it comes, he's, he's a racist for lack of a better term. That's how much he hates those other people. So he gets on a boat. You know the story. Lord sent a great wind to the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up as, known, as Jonah's trying to run away from God. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the, to the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a, not just a sleep, a deep sleep. 
the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. He's, he's so avoiding the position that God has for him that he, he falls asleep. Literally falls asleep. A deep sleep on a boat. I think this is a, there's a picture here for us to know that God has called us to action. I mean, faith without works is dead. And we fall asleep. When we don't do what God has called us to do, there's a... Listen, I've talked to people over the years of pastoring now who have like Jonah, really, in a way, shipwrecked their lives. And they look at me, and they, they're just like, how did I, I don't even know how I got here. We're all, we are all in danger of that. All of us, every single one of us. Some of us have been there, where we've shipwrecked our lives, and we did it one step at a time. And many times, it's not a step of action, it's a step of inaction that slides us, so to speak, into a place of darkness. There are a lot of people standing on the edge of darkness today. And we need to wake up to the call for action. It's time to wake up. I've got a picture of a red ball and a blue ball. I want you to observe these very carefully for just a second. One of these balls is bigger than the other ball. How many of you think the blue ball is bigger than the red ball? How many of you think the red ball is bigger than the blue ball? Well, actually, I lied. They're the same size. And some of you may just vote it because I told you that. But others of you, after a while, you started to see one of them as bigger than the other. Now, now why, would, why would you vote on something you would not? Listen, deception is like that. Just because I told you something, don't take it for granted. I mean, I know I built, hopefully, a level of trust here in our congregation where I don't, I don't purposefully lie to you often. And so you believe me when I tell you one is bigger than the other. But there are people that we look at all the time that tell us stuff, and then we start to believe it, and then we start to vote on it, or we start to rearticulate it, or we start to tell others. Here's my third point. We need to wake up to the crisis of deception the crisis of deception. There's stuff we believe to be true that is not true. It simply isn't. I mean, some of, I, I heard from people who were shattered over the fact that the wise men didn't go to the stable uh, when I talked about it. I mean, there were Facebook posts about me and me ruining their world. Not, not really, but listen, there are things we believe to be true that aren't true. And we need to wake up to this crisis of deception that's all, all around us. Why is that so important? 
It's because you act upon that which you believe to be true. Whether it's true or not is really irrelevant because you act on what you believe to be true. And so it is really important that what we believe to be true is actually true because it determines in many ways the course of our lives. Again, from Proverbs, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside or I will be murdered in the streets. Now here's the truth, there is no lion outside and he's not going to be murdered in the streets. But this is his belief and this belief or this fear causes him to not act. One of the greatest tools of the enemy in deception and of our lives is simply fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But a spirit of power, love, sound mind. Well, where did the spirit of fear come from? It comes from the enemy or our own sin in our lives. And, and we are a people who are easily deceived. That little red ball, blue ball thing, it's, it's a stupid illustration, I know, but we are easily deceived, easily led astray. The terrible thing, as I've said about deception on a number of occasions, is this. You don't know you're deceived. I mean, really, nobody goes around saying, you know, I'm deceived. I know this is deception, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I mean, really, we don't act like that. Samson's one of the great examples to me in the Bible. He's the, he's the epitome of a flawed leader. Um, strong, a lot of, you know, but character, he was missing. He had a flawed character, and, and you, you know the story. Sin progresses in his life. He's, he's with a woman, a Philistine, who's, you know, she's supposed to be his enemy, but, you know, she's pretty. And so he takes her. Then she starts saying, hey, tell me the source of your strength. And uh, he lies to her. And then she does whatever the lie was so that it's a great relationship. And then it's, it's built on trust and mutual edification and... Uh, he wakes up in the morning, and she's tied him up with new ropes or, you know, what. It just goes on for several times. And Samson, evidently, as strong as he is, he must not have been the brightest bulb because he keeps telling her. And she keeps nagging him. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I mean, there's so many things here that we could talk about. And he finally tells her. The, the tragedy of it is, having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Oh my, people, this is just the tragedy of deception is acting like, hey, I've, I got it. And you don't got it. That's how horrible deception is. We are all just one step away, I believe, from, from a position where... I'm not saying we're not going to go to heaven. You know, I, I really do believe in the security, of eternal security of the believer, but I'm talking about the power that God has given us to live this life, to inherit what He's given us now, to, to, to take back 
the ground that the enemy has stolen. And if we're going to do that, we need to wake up to the truth that is all around us. And, and just like that, many, that stupid video, there's, there's at times a gorilla in our midst, but we're so focused on other things that we absolutely miss it. Matthew 13, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. God's mercy, I believe, is here. God's mercy is available. God wants us to wake up. God wants to reveal in us the truth. But we have to receive. Wake up this morning, I'm calling for all of us. Wake up to the call for diligence. It is time to put away apathy and lethargy and to not allow the cares of this world to so overwhelm us that we we cease to be diligent. We need to wake up to the command for action. God is calling you and me, but God's calling you to a step, to do something, a call to action. Now, you can choose to say, hey, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen after this step. I, I don't know where it's going to lead me. Where, I, if I take this step, what's the step after that, and the step after that, and the step after that? Listen, God's call of action in your life many times is just take the first step. Then I'll show you the second. Then the next one. Then the next one. We need to wake up to the call for action, and we need to wake up to the crisis of deception. We need to pray, spirit of truth, reveal truth in my life. Every place my mind disagrees with your mind, change my mind. Open up and show me where I'm deceived. Because you won't see deception just probably on your own. Because you don't know it. You don't know that it's, you don't know that you're deceived. Today, for my, my, my heart's cry for all of us is that we as a church, as a people, as individuals, that we wake up. This is actually from Ephesians, not Romans. I put the wrong reference. But Ephesians 5, 14 says this. It is, there it is. It is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It's time. It's time to wake up. I want to pray for us. Uh, Georgia, if you would come back and um, get ready to lead us during this prayer, I, I want us to, to, to pray. And here's my thought. If I gave a ministry time for this, I would hope that almost every person would come to the front to wake up because there is a level that all of us need to be more diligent or to act in a greater way on what God has called us or, or to say, Lord, show us where we're deceived. So I'm going to save you the problem. I'm just going to pray for all of us that we would all wake up. And I'm praying for me as I'm praying for you. And Giorgio is going to play in the background as I pray. And then after I'm done, I'm going to speak a prayer of blessing over you, dismiss you. But then Giorgio's going to continue to lead in worship. And if you'd like to receive prayer, we'll have some ministry teams come down to the front. Maybe you need prayer.
this has really touched you and you know there's some area of your life, even more specifically a, like a habit or a burden or some chain that you need broken off of you or you need healing uh, or wisdom for direction, our ministry teams want to just intercede with you and to pray for you as you start the new year. So stand up and let me, let me pray for us as a people that we would indeed just wake up this morning. Lord, we, we agree together that it is light that makes everything visible. So Lord, I pray today that you would shine the light of your spirit into our lives and into our hearts this morning to show us what is really there, to make things visible. Lord, we, we, we want to wake up this morning. So shine your light in our lives to, to wake us up to the call for, to, for increased diligence in our lives. Lord, shine your light into a place that shows us the next step to take. And may we have the courage and the, the faith to step out in it, whatever it is. And Lord, this morning we want to acknowledge that we can easily be deceived. There's not one of us in this room who is not open to the, the danger of deception. So Lord, we pray today that you would make things visible. Lord, where we have gone the wrong direction, today we repent. We return to you. We say, Lord, forgive us and change our mind, change our hearts. So this morning, I pray as Paul did, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and may Christ shine on us. May we be careful how we live. May we be wise, not unwise. May, as we leave this place, we make the most of every opportunity because we recognize that the days around us, they're not good, but rather evil. May we shine as lights in dark places as we go from this place today. Lord, we give ourselves to you as we end this year and start this new year. We give ourselves a fresh and a new day today. And we say thank you. We rejoice in you. We celebrate you. We are not afraid because we have the mind of Christ. We recognize that we don't have a spirit of fear but of love, of power, of a sound mind. And we say thank you. Thank you. May faith rise up within us today. May faith overwhelm fear. May truth overcome deception. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy, O oh Lord. May we demonstrate it and forgiveness and life and love to all of those around us. And we say thank you. Thank you. Now.